Welcome to the Realizing Genius Podcast. I'm your host, Heidi Christensen. This is where we dive in each week to chat about parenting, education, and realizing our children's genius. I'm an educator with a background in individualizing learning, and I'm obsessed with helping people find and nurture that genius in their children and themselves. Let's dive in. Hi, geniuses. Today, I am doing a little bit something a little bit different. Today I have, well, she's my best friend and she's also my mom. And <laughs> I've been wanting to interview her for a while because as you probably know, if you've listened to me at all, I talk about her all the time. She's uh, been a huge influence on my life and what I do and why I do it. And so I just had to get her in here so I could have her talk to you too. So anyway, my mom's name is uh, Cherry Hughes. Most people know her by the name Nana Cherry. Um, and I know you've heard me tell you how she has been a fixture at our homeschool co-op for years and how my friends call her Nana Cherry and all the kids call her Nana Cherry. And um, she has like 28 grandkids that call her Nana Cherry. <laughs> so anyway, um, but anyway, I call her mom. So, um, anyway, mom, I'm so glad you're here. I'm glad I'm here too. <laughs> well, one of the reasons I wanted to bring you on to uh, my podcast is I, like I said, you've really influenced what I do and why I do it. And one of the things I think about when I think about realizing genius is how you and dad, but you mainly were very careful when we were growing up and uh, I'm the oldest of six siblings. You were very careful to try and encourage us to find what we loved and do what we love. I mean, for example, like for me, um, you found out fairly early that I loved sewing. And so you did all kinds of things to encourage my sewing. Wow, I spent a lot of time and money at the fabric store. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember um, when I was, a, was it a teenage, like middle school and high school? It was um, the middle school when you started, you took a, a sewing class for your elective in seventh grade and eighth grade. And by the end of eighth grade, you were making complicated clothes. I had to um, buy you patterns with many pattern pieces. And you were also making beautiful crafts like the Raggedy Ann and Andes and, and stuffed animals. And uh, I mean, it was incredible the, the things you could do. I did sewing for myself and you kids when you were little and when you turned 13 I have never sewed again never you <laughs> did so much better than me <laughs> yeah well I remember when I, you know clothes became more important to me uh you told me that you would buy all the fabric I wanted but if I had to if I wanted you know store-bought clothes I had to buy them myself <laughs> so that was just one way and then oh was it I think I was 15 or 16 when you bought me the 
15. 15. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. You bought me a like top of the line sewing machine. Right. And that was, that was pretty awesome. It was a nice sewing machine. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and it, it got me through. I mean, I, I used it all the way through um, college and we're talking two degrees in uh, clothing and textiles. And then um, really, I just, it just wore out maybe five years ago. Right. So, well, you even made your wedding dress with it. Yeah. And yeah, I was a little bit crazy for that. I, I made my wedding dress, all of the attendance dresses, even a dress for my, my little niece, who was like one. <laughs> so it was, it was a little bit crazy. She so. wasn't even a year old yet. Oh, that's true. She wasn't. Oh she was God. born in August. Oh, that's right. And you got we, married in December. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a little bit crazy. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, it was, it was well worth it. And it really encouraged me to do more and encouraged me, like I said, to get, you know, two degrees that incorporated sewing. Right. Um, and eventually teach at both the university and community college level in that field. And so um, I just really appreciated that. And it's something that I look back at and it has inspired me with my kids, but um, you also did it for um, my brothers. Okay. So like Jason, I remember Jason one time wanted a monkey. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I always, I always look back at that because, um, you know, as his older sister, that terrified me because I'm like, oh my gosh, that would be horrible. But you didn't say no to him. Why, why didn't you do that? Why didn't you just say no? Well, the, because I don't like to argue and it would have been a big argument. And, but, but also, um, there was, if, if he could figure out a way to do it that would be practical, I would have let him do it. But he figured out after um, researching uh, how much a monkey costs and what kind of um, care it needs that it was not practical. Instead, we let him get a dog. So, um, you know, it was uh, just just the logistics and the practicality of it. Um, but I, you know, it gave him something to do to figure out that, whether it was something that he could um, buy or take care of. Yeah, yeah. And there were things that were practical, like... Um, he wanted to be a cowboy. I mean, this is when he was, he was in like middle school or high school. Middle school. Middle school. Yeah. Yeah. Middle school. And so um, I remember, you know, you got him the boots, you got him the lasso. Right. And, you, and I took him in, in uh, you know, he went to camp where there were, he could ride horses. Um, I took him up to a stable and um, we did a trail ride. He um, asked the people at the stable if he could um, work at the stable to be 
able to be around the horses. And they said that he could, which meant I had to take him there um, until he got tired of it. And he did. He, you know, it, it wasn't something that um, lasted too terribly long, but I did it as long as he uh, wanted to do that because um, I, I liked the idea that he liked horses. So um, it was, but it also kept him busy. He needed to be busy. Yeah. Yeah. No. And that was his personality. And yeah. 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 No. And, and I agree. I think um, that's one thing I know personality and understanding kids' personality uh, is really important. And for him, he definitely telling him no just made him want it more and would make him push for it more. And so making him figure out that really no was the best answer <laughs> was the best way to deal with him. Now, my other brother, um, another brother, um, Brian, he was totally different. What was his passion that you helped kind of support? Well, Brian really didn't have any. He was, you know, exactly two years younger than Jason. And he didn't have anything that he didn't do just following Jason's footsteps. But when he turned seven, he was old enough to play soccer and he wanted to play soccer because Jason was playing soccer. And um, it turned out that Brian had a natural, um, really almost a genius as far as being a soccer player. He totally understood the game. He knew how to um, even get all of his teammates to be where they needed to be um, playing the game. And um the in his AYSO soccer he was always the star of his team but I didn't find that challenging for him so there was club soccer that I had to pay a lot more money for but it, to me it was worth it because um he was challenged he wasn't the best player on that team and um, he he had to work with the other kids because they all thought they were good too. Um, so I had him play both because being the younger brother of a very, um, what, pushy um, <laughs> a, a brother that, you know, he was constantly the, the being told what to do by his older brother that he needed the AYSO team where he was the best on it for um, self-esteem. And then he needed the other team for the um, challenging part for him to be able to learn more and um, try harder. And um, anyway, it was uh, very, very challenging for me because there was one year he played soccer for 11 months of the year and with being on two teams during AYSO time it was um a soccer every day for him which the other kids were playing soccer too <laughs> yeah I remember that <laughs> so I spent an awful lot of time um driving to and from soccer practices and soccer games yeah 
Yeah, I was the only one of the six of us that didn't play soccer, but you made me get my license so I could drive everybody to their soccer practices. So I remember that. <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, yeah, because um, one year we had all five of your siblings playing soccer and um, they were not all on the same team. So it was different fields and um, different times. Yeah. And where we lived, when you mean different fields, you meant across the city. I mean, it yes. Yeah. 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 I mean, these days, soccer is so big that they have, I know in the city we live in now, they have, you know, a huge soccer field, you know, soccer complex almost with tons of fields, but they just didn't have that back then. So, no, we were in a town with, uh, that had been built up before soccer. And so there were, um, you know, there'd be maybe one or two fields here and and then another park would have one or two fields. And then we could have um, one or two fields at the school and that sort of thing. And so it very seldom did I have um, two kids playing on the same field. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was crazy. Um <laughs> I mean, it was just, it was crazy fun. I know you had a lot of fun. You got really involved in soccer as well. Um, I, but Brian, it was even more than that, though. I mean, when he got older, he did even more for soccer, right? Well, he coached uh, um, I, his younger brother, Richard's team, for one year. And I felt I had to be there because he was... Now, I'm not sure if he was 16 or 17. I've, and anyway, he, um, I didn't feel he was old enough to be responsible for all the little boys that were coming to practice. So I was at every practice. And then I was at it, felt I needed to be at every game because he was just a kid. And I didn't want uh, parents take or other coaches taking advantage of his youth. So I was always there. Um, Richard and has a twin sister, and so she also had to be there. The first year was they were nine, and um, she had to be at every practice too. So the next two years that Brian coached, um, Molly played on a boys' team so that they could both be on uh, on his team, and um, I was at every game and every practice and I was also on the board of the soccer league and um it was it it, it well it kept me busy <laughs> but it was also a lot of fun for me because I just love watching soccer I've never played soccer when Jason wanted to play soccer I'd never even heard of soccer but um I still go to soccer games. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, yeah. No, I uh, definitely grew to love that sport. Yeah. No, that is. Soccer was a big part of growing up, even though I didn't play it. It was, there were some really fun, fun times. Right. And I was really glad my, my boys played it for a while. Um. Another thing I wanted to talk to you about is 
something that I mention all the time, and it's your 3, 13, and 17 talk. <laughs> uh, whenever, I know whenever in our, in our homeschool co-op, when uh, my friends would have issues with one of their kids, they would just naturally go and, and you know, want to sit down with you and talk to you about it. And I've heard your 313 and 17 talks so many times. And I just, I wanted to just get it on my podcast straight from you. So tell us a little bit about that. What What is your philosophy on that? Well, it started out with two-year-olds. I've been raised with the terrible twos. Everybody talked about the terrible twos. I don't think the two-year-olds are terrible. I think they're adorable. Two-year-olds are, are still babies as far as I'm concerned. They have not mastered communication. They um, still are, uh, many of them is still in, uh, in the throes of, of potty training or in diapers. They're um, very often still very happy in cribs. They're um, babies. They throw temper tantrums sometimes because they cannot um, communicate. They are frustrated and it's just a very normal thing. And all you have to do is change their focus and then go on about whatever without, you know, usually any more fuss. Three-year-olds though are, are, are um, very often throwing worse fits because they're trying to decide whether they're going to be big or they're going to be a baby. They're very definitely in the um, middle of a, a very definite change in their life. And um, when they're having an issue, it is because they can't decide what they want to do and it's frustrating to them. I found that all of my kids had a few little issues at that time. And when I figured out that that was the problem, um, it no longer bothered me. And I, I could just, you know, get on with things and, and oh, you're going to have a problem. Why don't you just go in your room and have it? And um, we'll, <laughs> you can come out when you're all done. And uh, uh 13, it's very definitely the same kind of thing. They're, they're um, turning, you know, going to be teens some days and going to be little kids some days. And um, it's very frustrating because, you know, they're big enough to uh, do one or the other and not make it a big issue, not be whiny or uh, moody and ignoring it worked for me as soon as I figured out that was that was what was really going on and but 17 is the worst <laughs> 17 and now I'm talking about these three ages because that's when my kids have the problem but some kids go through this earlier some kids later some kids really have very little you, you know hardly notice that they have an issue with these ages, but 17, you really think they're almost ready to, um, you know, finish high school, that they should 
be smart enough to figure out that they don't need to be moody and grumpy and and um, rude and <laughs> and and um, but they're they know they're going to be, you know that they're supposed to be adults or almost adults and they aren't sure that's really what they're ready for. Um, it, 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 when you figure out that it has nothing to do with you as a parent, it's so much easier to just not let it bother you. It, it is just the normal thing. And the 17-year-olds also, it's a time of starting to um, move on and be uh out of the house and i really found that it was getting all of us ready for them to leave to go to college and uh where i'd always thought i wouldn't like it when they left for college it was really nice when they left i was <laughs> and they would come home and say wow mom, thanks for talking to me all this time and you know and and just be really um grateful that they had a home to come home to and and it was so much better so um i just really like the fact that i figured it out because it made it so with really the three younger kids i hardly noticed the um the issues because i was prepared for it right. and uh, you just don't take it personally you just Go with the flow. It ends quickly because um, the years go by so fast. The older they get, that um, uh, I I just think everybody should know about <laughs> about these ages and and count your blessings, especially if you don't notice it. Because um, I found that most kids go through these ages. Yeah, and as a parent, especially the first time with your first kid, um, you know, it, it can be easy to just take it personally. It's like, oh. oh, they hate me. They're being so awful, you know, and sometimes, especially like at 13 and 17, they might actually say, you know, I hate you, you know. Oh, they do. Yeah, they do. Yeah. Oh. And, yeah. And if, if, if you take that to heart and let that ruin your relationship instead of being the, you know, understanding that it's just a phase that they're going through and, and they're having issues, just having that transition from one age to another, that, that one. It's, it's a, it's a stage. It's a, a, a new phase in their life. And um, it, and it, once it passes, it's it's usually really harmonious, but uh, it, it 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 is trying when we're <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah on my last seventeen year olds and so um, but it's also I have found also just kind of kind of building on that that if you can talk to your kids about it too it's like this is normal. Yeah. This yeah. It's normal. Exactly. It makes it a lot uh, less intense. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I even, there's a, uh, a great book um, called the teenage mind and I'll put a link in the show notes for it, but um, 
uh, our youngest son, he and I listened to it. He was kind of a captive audience in the car and we listened to it and it would talked about how the, how teens, you know, their brain is going through all of these different changes and, you know, as they're growing, you know, really they are not making as, as the best decisions sometimes and why, and, you know, I started listening to it just because I needed to listen to it. He had his headphones on and as it went, I mean, he kept taking his earphones out more and then he would stop it and we would talk about it. And, uh, it was a great point. Um, we still, every once in a while, it's like, you know, you know, this is why I'm asking you to do this because remember this book, you know, it talks about this and this and this and how, you know, maybe I might have a little bit more experience and you might want to listen to me on this one. And it's just made it a lot easier to, for um, for our communication to help him get through this this transition time. So, and, um, and he still has his days and you just can't take it personally. Right, right. You just love him through it. Yep, yep, <laughs> definitely love him through it. Love him through it. That is awesome. Well, I know you have been a huge proponent and a huge supporter of us homeschooling. Um, and uh, just just yesterday, I was talking to a grandmother on the phone who was trying to find out more information because her um, daughter was homeschooling her kids. So if there are any grandparents out there who are... Um, concerned about their kids homeschooling their grandkids what would you say to them ah uh, i would say you know first of all i tell it just about anybody that will listen that if i could do it over again i would have homeschooled my kids it's the one thing for sure i know i would do differently if i could raise a family over again another time because i, I felt that all six of you kids, and you didn't have any trouble academically. Academically, you guys did fine in school, but socially, oh my gosh, everybody um, had episodes of being bullied, even by teachers. I just was very upset. And I am non-confrontational, and I was up at, at the school so many times <laughs> because I become very confrontational when it has uh, something that has affected my children. And uh, I, I was not happy about the way things went at schools, and I don't think it's better these days, but I think that... Um, the fact that when you homeschool, you can do it so individual. They cannot do individual teaching at school unless you're, you've got a very handicapped kid. And because most of the classrooms, there's way too many children in there. They all have to do the same thing, whether they're ready for it or whether they're way past that. They still all do the same thing in, in class. I just would you know, I'm horrified by it because I go and I help in um, my youngest daughter's fifth grade class. And and she is an amazing teacher. Oh, she's a wonderful oh teacher, gosh. but 
but the the kids I grade their papers and oh my gosh there's some that get it and the, the everything on the paper is right and then there's others that only get one or two answers right and I'm going oh my goodness uh, you know maybe they're not ready for this maybe they should have been in you know doing uh, their math in uh, another grade level or um maybe they need extra help but she doesn't have time for extra help because she's got you know she always has a full class they give her the most kids in the school peak in in the fifth grade because she never has any real problems with the children but um ah oh, I, I just feel for the children I mean she's doing a fantastic job and it is frustrating for her to have um, some that she can't reach because she just plain doesn't have time. But um, I I really feel for those children and uh, oh homeschool that way they can find out what they're really interested in and be able to study that and and um, if they need extra help you can do all kinds of different things for something like you know like math or reading or you know the really important classes but yeah no I I absolutely feel like homeschooling is the best and with um all the different things there are available to children these days like you know the club sports and the all you know all the different things like gymnastics and karate and and things that you can do for kids they get they can be with other children and of course we always had Sunday school for our children so there was other children there and you know of course my children were in in school but even even today there there's other things that you can do with your children so that they can be around others but um sometimes I think maybe it's better to not have so much socialization is what they have in the schools these days so yeah, that's true well and you have done so much to help us and also support our homeschool community um what are some things that can, just name a few things that you've been able to do to be a part of our homeschool community well i started out by going and um uh, helping another mother with um, a class for girls in the afternoon. We did, we called it American Girl Club because I have a collection of American Girl dolls and all their books and accessories and furniture and clothes. And anyway, we would talk about, um, I, and I did this for years. We'd pick a, a, a era and I bring in that doll and we do um, crafts and cooking and field trips all up sort of uh, reminiscent to that era and just so that we could do something to um, learn about uh, what the girls did at that time because I only collect the historical dolls and um uh, oh my goodness, the girls just loved it. And uh, it got to the point where nobody 
really wanted to help me with it anymore. And it was too much work for me to um, drag all my stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so what I, what I also have always done, because I would usually be at the homeschool group for all day, and that would just be, we usually did the American Girl Club in the afternoon. Um, in the mornings, I would always just hang out with the Love of Learner group, which would be the, the kids not old enough for scholar projects. And I would usually pick a child that needed some extra attention and I'd just sit with them. Um, and uh, if they were extra young because what their mother was um, mentoring a class and they that that child needed to be with these kids that were a little bit older i would just sort of do part of their project just so that when i felt they were not really ready to um, do some of it i would do it or just absolutely hold their hand while they were doing it and um and sure enough they got to the point where, you know, like the next year they could do it all on their own and I'd pick somebody else. Or sometimes it would be a child that wanted to interrupt the class all the time. I would sit with that child and, and say, oh, no, we're not going to stand up and run around right now. Or no, we're going to keep our hands still so that we're not interrupting and bothering the other kids from listening. And um, it, it, it was just just I felt like I was more background help but um the kids all respected me uh when I had uh, sometimes I would have to I go to a child and I'd say I need you to come and sit with me for a few minutes because they were not leaving the person next to them alone and they'd come and sit with me and and finally they'd say um can I go back and sit with my friend? And, and I said, well, yes. If, do you think you can leave them alone now? And they would tell me yes. And I'd let them go back. And I would be where they could see me. And I, I, could, I would be watching them. And they would look at me if they were starting to do something. <laughs> and I would just and sort of shake my head just very slightly. And they decide, okay, no, I'm not going to bother that person right now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you you made friends. I mean, these these little, these kids oh, yeah. just oh, yeah. love you. I mean, and it wasn't just like, oh, you were just Nana Cherry. You were, I know, one girl, I mean, you were her best friend. Oh, yeah. She would call yeah. you all the time. She would call me and we would have, we would talk on the phone for our, over an hour. And we would just talk about whatever. What, what do you have interesting in your room? Because she'd usually be in her bedroom. And what do you have, you know, what are you doing for, um, you know, tomorrow or whatever, that sort of thing. And we just, we just talk like we were peers, <laughs> but it was, um, I believe in treating children like people. 
I talk to them like they are my peer. I don't talk down to them. I, you know, sometimes I sit down and talk to them, but, um, you know, I don't bend down to talk to them. Um, but I also don't, um, you know, sort of baby them. And we talk about what we want to talk about. Like, how are you? What are you doing today? Yeah. And, um, and most of the kids want to talk to me. Yeah. Yeah. Now I know, um, when you go and visit my cousin, she has a preschool class and, you know, they just, they, you know, you've told me how they just flock to you and the preschool teachers fight over who gets to have Nana Cherry in their classroom. So. Yeah. 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 It was uh, the, the last time I was there. Oh my gosh. I, I was sitting way across the room first thing in the morning. And um, I'd been there a couple of months before and the kids had, had gotten to know me and um, they came in with their mom or dad and greet the teachers. They're all by the door and I'm way on the other side of the room sitting in a, in a chair at a desk and and all of a sudden they see me and they don't even say goodbye to their mom and dad. They just run <laughs> to give me a hug. And oh, you're here, you're back. And that sort of thing. Anyway, it, it, it I feel uh, it's a gift that um, I have, that I can make connections with children very easily. I did daycare. You remember right when I did daycare um, in my home and the children would cry when their mothers came to go get them, pick them up. <laughs> they would not cry when their mothers left them. <laughs> yeah. I had, I did it very illegally. I'm not, you know, ashamed to say it because um, I, because I feel I have a gift I am able to take care of more children than most people can. And so I took, uh, I allowed more children to come than most people would for um, a daycare. And uh, I never once had a problem because the children would all do what I asked them to do, even the babies. So um, it, it, I'm just very grateful for that because I definitely love to be around children. Yeah. Well, Mom, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. And I'm just so grateful that I've been able to witness your genius growing up and benefits in so many different ways. So thank you. You're welcome. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Realizing Genius podcast. Head over to realizinggenius.com forward slash podcast for all the show notes and links and to share your ideas of anyone you would like to have me interview. Have a wonderful week realizing your genius.